I am unashamed. What about you? This is one of the few times that we've been in a podcast where I have so much to say, I literally just can't wait for the clock to start rolling. (laughs) This is what happens when you study all night long. I mean, I went Lionel Richie. All night long. All night. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time you had an all-night study session? I'm literally going with the adrenaline of all night. I don't even feel tired. You'll crash at some point. It was biblical. I slept three days. And then I woke up. Mm-hmm. You were like Jonah and the whale. Oh, I cannot wait to drop this bombshell on you. I'm so excited about this. But I caution you, the water will get deep. <laughs> Every once in a while, I have to cross a creek, especially in duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Even in this treasure hunting, you know, I want to get to the other side because treasure hunting has the same kind of qualities that a lot of other things in life. You always feel like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Yep. And then by some miracle, you get access to the other side of the fence. Yep. But then you look down and realize, I want to go now, but I need to cross this creek. Up north, they say creek. So as you're, as you begin to go, you're looking at your boots and the depth of the water, and you're, you're, and when you get to that point when you're on your tiptoes, <laughs> but just the drive and the excitement of the treasure is on the other side. At some point, you just say, "You know what? I got a boot dryer." <laughs> <laughs> I just like that that moment though, where you're left, and then you're the, all in. The coolness hits, you and you're. <gasps> <laughs> what's what's unfortunate is when you get to the other side and you realize nope no, it was not greener uh, it over here it's the same and you move on to the next fence post <laughs> and so as we uh as we continue through second peter the water will get deep in this aha moment yep sometimes in life al you gotta cross a creek across the creek so we'll go to the deep water today. Uh, before we do that, Phil, he, he's had an aha moment. Yeah. So go ahead. Did you have something for us, Dan? Just a small little letter here. There's things running around in professional football that uh, sometimes make a little sense, you know, do your job. <laughs> so what That would Pete, be the kicker is usually the one that gets yeah. that question more than any other. What Peter is nailing down is what the Apostle Paul said. I'm just looking at the first chapter of Philippians. And, and listen to this. One, two, three, four, five, seven times this is said. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident that uh, he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's one, talking about the gospel. Two, defending and confirming the gospel. All of you sharing God's grace with me. Just below there, advance the gospel, verse 12. I'm in Philippians. I've already covered Verse 3, stay with the gospel. Verse uh, 4, 5, 6, 7, defend and confirm the gospel. All of you, share the place with me. You get down to the bottom in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, whatever's happened. It's just what Peter's saying over there uh, to me. He, whatever happened to me, really serve to advance the gospel. So don't get, don't get, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still with the gospel. Then you look down there about verse 15. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18. But what, what does it matter? You got people doing it out of selfish ambition and some who are doing it right. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, 
Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Then he goes down a little further, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's one, two, three, four, five, six times in a space about that long. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand. Here's what Peter's telling us all. You stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man. That means all of us are saying the same thing yep. for the faith of the gospel. Well, I would like to say this. I'll take the same book, Philippians, which we're not studying in detail. We're in Second Peter. But watch what he says in between all those about reminding the gospel. He says we're servants of Christ, verse Bingo. 1. He's writing to all the saints in Christ. Bingo. He says grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Bingo. He says, look, I want you to do this work until its completion, until the day of Christ. Bingo. He then says, I long for all of you with the effect, the affection of Christ. Bingo. He then brings up the day of Christ again in verse 10. And it, and it says almost exactly what Peter says in chapter uh, three, where he says about being spotless and blameless. That's why I brought it up. Look, he says until the day of Christ that comes through Christ. But watch what he what he says in verse 10. 13, he says, I'm in chains for Christ. Mm -hmm. Some, verse 15, preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. He brings that up. The flipping writer mentioned that. Yep. He then also says, uh, for, to, for to me, in verse 21, to live is Christ. So he has the joy in Christ in verse 26. Yep. He says in chapter two that if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and, and I'm simply bringing this up to say this, the sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ, was coming out of a place of knowing Christ. It, it, it's overwhelming. He, in between all of the message of the gospel was him that was coming out of this knowing Christ. So to go back to where we left off in 2 Peter, when we, we gave the overview, even in chapter 2, when we said some of the graphic language that we're going to get to, when he says if in verse 20, if people have escaped the corruption of the world, and we'll get to this in detail when we get to chapter 2, by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then are entangled in it. So, so that, that is the way out of the corruption world. You, you can know God through Jesus. Th th this becomes a personal, relational thing that you add and you increase in in your faith as you daily walk minute decision by decision. So, you ready for the bombshell? Are you ready for the bombshell? <sighs> so I spent the whole last podcast getting ready. Is Zach here? I need Zach for the bombshell. You go. Zach. So for you who are who were with us last podcast, we, we do an overtime segment for the most loyal members who actually pay hard earned dollars to get a little bonus time. A little bonus. So Zach gives a very fascinating and powerful presentation of a theological argument. Out of Romans. Out of Romans. And when he finishes, he literally dropped his mic and left. <laughs> he just he just disappeared. He didn't wait on the response. No. So I'm talking in response to him, and I realize that he's no longer with us. He go. And so we've now moved on to a whole new podcast, and he is still riding Barely. the wave <laughs> of the mic drop moment from his Romans. Apparently his point was so brilliant that he thought, you know what? I'm just going to just rest on that one for a while. <clears throat> he is resting on his laurels, as they say. So now I'm in a quandary because I really wanted him to be here for this. For the bombs. I had an aha moment. So I'm, I'm doing just a review. 
I had an all-night study session on Second Peter last night, which was fascinating. And I'm sure people of faith, you know, you've had all night. So you get into oh, something, yeah. and it just... You can't let it you go. You just start going, and like You're like a dog on a bone. Two or three o'clock in the morning, I look up at the ceiling, and I go, "Oh wow, <laughs> whoa!" And so it came from Second Peter one fifteen. I would like to just read where we're at, and and I want to pick up in a verse that we didn't really flesh out the second part of verse ten, and I will read three fifteen. This is where we're at. We left off at, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. So Zach gave his dissertation from a theological standpoint on Romans in the overtime. I made the point that when you do this on a daily basis out of a personal relationship of knowing Jesus, where you're trying to declare Jesus, you're trying to show the character of Christ in whatever situation, whether it's self-control, perseverance, or these different things that come up. Yep. But you're you're gaining assurance and confidence in who you are in Jesus. Right. And God is using us. So then he says, for if you do these things, now listen to this statement, you will never fall. Mm-hmm. Because it is a growing, increasing faith that is active and productive on a daily basis. And he's not making a theological argument here. No. It's just a statement of fact that you're growing in Jesus on a daily basis. You're not going to fall because you're growing. Right. Now, then he pivots and says, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he then focuses on the word, I submit, on eternal. And you just think about that. What does that mean? So we're part of the kingdom on earth right now. The kingdom has come and we're a part of it. But the kingdom is bigger than just us spirit-filled people on the earth. It's bigger. Right. And one way it's bigger is that it's eternal, which means what? I mean, we can discuss this. What is the eternal? Why would he bring in the phrase eternal kingdom? What does that mean? Well, one thing you know is it's it's clearly laid out in Hebrews 12, right? I mean, it includes so much more. You've come, and I was kind of focusing on this word eternal. I mean, it's a it's a it's it's quite a word. It is. He's, and he here's what he says in Hebrews 12, just as one description. You've come to thousands of thousands of angels. You come to the church of the firstborn. You come to God. You come to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. You come to Jesus. You come to the blood of the new covenant. You All, said Romans, but Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Yeah, yeah, Hebrews 12. And he said, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God uh, accepted with reverence and awe. Well, it, those were just some of the things mentioned. Awesome. Awesome. So... While we're waiting on Zach, because I'm going to wait for him, let me give you the opposite of eternal. So eight years ago, my wife and I, we reconstructed our house. You've been there. And and to give you the backstory on this, so that was the time of our little duck show. And I didn't have any money back then. You know, I was building duck calls, and you'd think, oh, boy, you're – you know, Willie owned the company. He's paying me a salary, and it you know wasn't a whole lot because I'm building duck calls. I mean, that's not exactly you know <laughs> a uh, what do they call it a white collar job. Uh, yeah, I was a laborer. I mean, I, I have arthritis in my hands. So, you know, I'm just sitting there, even though I felt like I was underpaid because I brought a skill set to that. But uh, anyway, that's I've gotten over it. So I I was resigned to the fact. Oh, and Zach's back. Good. I was resigned to the fact. Zach, uh, welcome back. I'm explaining the difference in eternal and things that are not. So I'm telling you a story about what things that are not eternal. But I didn't have any money, so I'm remodeling my house because they said, "Look, your plumbing 
we have to dig up the foundation of your house. But I didn't have any money. But I, my sink wouldn't work. My bathrooms wouldn't work. I, I was in a bind here. So I said, well, we'll just borrow you the money. I mean, we, we can't, I can't live. I either got to go live with Willie in his house. Because he had a big, nice house. You know, he was doing good as the owner of the company. I was not doing so good. And so then our duck show takes off. And all of a sudden, there's literally, you know, it's raining dollar bills. And it's, it's hitting everybody. So Missy's like, we were already con- reconstructing the house. So we basically went way over budget because the budget got moved once the success of the show. <laughs> she just kept, she started changing everything because it just kept coming. Because you know? we went from plumbing problems to, oh, now. We literally went from the, the outhouse to the penthouse yeah. while we're reconstructing our, our house. You were George so, and Wheezy. You were the Jeffersons. So You're, she just so you went. Know, so you yeah. know, I just gave Willie a little more percentage of the company because he has a business mind and I don't. Yeah. However, on the duck calls, that was my strong suit and yours. Yeah. So we worked in that. I paid him a little. He, 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 he's the one running it. He get percentage wise. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. I see where it's headed and how it will end up, which well, it did. No, it did. You were part of that. So it did great. Your labor but, was not in vain. But all I'm saying is Jay Jay Now you're you're he, he didn't have a percentage. He just got a he got a, a daily rate, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm not complaining. The Lord intervened and said, Here you go. So I remodeled my house. This is a long way to get to my point, which is during the remodeling, we replaced all appliances. And and look, my wife literally she got caught up in the emotion of of this newfound money train from from the show, and so she thought we're never gonna move from here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get the best of everything. We it's had it down. Fun. We had it down in verbiage to there's a ship coming. Yeah, well, the it ship- is going to unload more money than we've ever seen. The yep. ship's coming, and Sai said, how far out is it? I said, I don't see it. <laughs> but however, I know when I'll see it. And when I and we walked it on down, Jace, till we got to your situation, and Sai said, what about it? I said, I can see the top of the mast <laughs> on yeah. the ship. It's coming. I said, but- it's coming. So our family is uh, super involved in the pro-life movement. In fact, last night, Lisa and I, where an event, I spoke to about, we spoke to about 500 college students a couple hours south of here on a college campus. And it was really interesting because we sort of did what we normally do um, and just talked about our experiences and where we go and, and what we do on, on behalf of life. And then we did a Q&A with the audience and they asked some really, you know, challenging questions. It was good to know that these college students are thinking about all the tough questions about abortion and and what was out there and so i, I love the interaction that we have with these guys and were you were you nervous you know i really wasn't i mean it was like it was i wish we had more of that you know where they were just asked the questions that are out there they asked about rape and incest and you know all the exceptions that you hear about and i thought this is what we need more of in america just open dialogue about abortion and and, and you know why we think that life is important so um, I, I was very encouraged uh, by the by what we experienced last night. One of the groups that uh, supports our podcast is a group uh, called 40 Days for Life. And um, what they do is they go into cities. They have over a million volunteers in 1,500 cities. Uh, they're the largest pro-life organization in the world. And um, what they do is they have 40-day uh, peaceful vigils, and they go and they just pray. Um, they pray uh, outside abortion facilities. Obviously, uh, post-Roe, they're going into states that still have uh, abortion, uh, which is legal. And so they're praying that women will make decisions for life. And so we encourage them. uh, We encourage you to check out their locations, their podcasts. They have a free magazine. If you go to 40daysforlife.com, stay updated on how abortion is ending in a post-Roe America. So that's 40daysforlife, 40, 40daysforlife.com. Check them out uh, and support what these guys are doing.
So anyway, because I'm gone way too far into the story, but I was trying to come up with a story so Zach could hear the bombshell, <laughs> if you're just joining us. <laughs> so I replaced all the appliances at the best that money could buy. I, I mean, whatever was the most expensive, the most guaranteed, the most... They had the most warranty. Ships unloading. So now here we are eight years later. And guess what? I have replaced. No, no, I, I, not that I have to replace. I have replaced every single appliance, some more than once. And I concluded that if you want to know the definition of the opposite of eternal, (laughs) it is the current appliances (laughs) that are sold every day. On this planet, they're pieces of junk. It doesn't matter what they cost. It doesn't matter what the warranty says. They will literally fall apart. And the last two things that I replaced that I just got in this past week, everybody who lives within a mile of my house knows they were delivered because they all sent me in text and said, what are those things in your driveway? Because I told Missy, I said, look, we have been without a freezer for six months. We don't have a freezer because of supply chain issues. Our freezer went out. We said, well, let's just go get another one. No, couldn't get one. So I said, you curry comb the world. I want the greatest freezer. I'm talking about commercial status. And the refrigerator was blinking, falling apart. It's doing the same thing. We had people come look, and they said, you need a new freezer and a new refrigerator. I said, I just bought these eight years ago. My parents still have the same refrigerator that I had when I was a kid. (laughs) And I paid an obscene amount of money. Thrifty, thrifty. So we called about the warranty in there. No, it doesn't apply on that. You know, so I said, forget y'all. Oh, yeah. So I had these things delivered, and they looked like two spaceships. (laughs) I had to hire a group of construction workers to tear out the ceiling because they wouldn't fit. That's what it looks like when the when the the ship arrives. Yeah. <laughs> back to That's that ship. what it looks like. We're you start with ship. we got so, the greatest freezer of all so this time. Weekend, all I, so this weekend, I this weekend I took care of our little one. You know, we have our role here, and we hired a fleet of men <laughs> they had to disassemble the refrigerator and the freezer because of the weight they they couldn't get it in they didn't have enough men more men came more people <laughs> gathered around people were going to unloading to, at the dock just to get them in <laughs> and look for the last 48 hours every 10 minutes i go in there and i just look at them <laughs> It's like two spaceships. These contraptions. How big is the how big is the freezer? What are we talking here? It took an army. (laughs) (laughs) If I told you what they cost, y'all would all die of a heart attack. No. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. Just the ship unloading at the dock. Let me just tell you this, Phil. This refrigerator has a camera in it that you can link up with your phone when you're at the grocery store. You don't say, oh, well, let me call my wife and see if I'm out of milk. No, you turn on the camera and you look <laughs> in your refrigerator. You can move it around and say, guess what? The milk is expired. I can read the date. Mm. Now, I didn't want that feature. It just came with it. Yeah. But, and, and, so I'm on a quest because the appliance situation is so terrible in our world that I'm having to pay this obscene amount of money for something commercial grade that only restaurants use. I mean, it has a window on it, but it shades. It, it will light up for a second, but you can actually see in it, but it gives the illusion that you can't see it. Was there, how much funding was there left when the ship started unloading at the dock? <laughs> Because it's still unloading. <laughs> that's, that's on the ship. Yeah. 
So anyway, sometimes it's a, it's a while before midnight you realize. That. Good okay. night. I think God is blessing us. This is taking a turn, and I'm so passionate about because I was so upset. You don't realize what it does. To I want to come down to your house I, now. I got to see you this. to come look at. I got to come look at and Did the Almighty or somebody, or was it just dog luck? Or were you being blessed? You were being blessed. I was Jay. being blessed, and look, I splurged on a freezer and a refrigerator. But I was trying to justify it to say that the temporary, perishable nature of appliances now, and I know why they're doing it. Yep. They're doing it because all the old companies fifty years ago went out of business because they made things that, <laughs> that lasted. lasted a long time. They did the same thing with the gun industry. You know, we, we used to buy. You know, gun, you'd have them for. Now, you know, if you get two or three years out of it before it literally falls apart, you're like, wow. And and they're way more expensive now. So it all just, you know, it but it reminds you of that we have things that are perishable. One thing that is not, he he pivots in verse eleven, says you're gonna receive a rich welcome. And those two things that you can be a part of as a human being, this should make you shout to the moon. You can be a part of the eternal, eternal which means never destroyed, won't perish. Nobody's going to change their mind a hundred years from You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal and kingdom. And the Almighty is providing all of these friends' benefits that come with it. Exactly. So now for my aha moment that's been a whole podcast and a half. So I'm reading this, and I get to verse 12, and he gets personal. He says, so I'll always remind you of these things, because you got to remember, he he's right He's right at the door of this welcome into the eternal kingdom. He's up in years. Yep. He's reminding you of the dangers of life. He's very wise. He's been through it all. And he says, even though you now, I mean, you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. So what's he thinking about? He's thinking about he don't have long left. That's right. And he's calling this body a tent. And we obviously know where's that mentioned? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. There's a whole dissertation that temporary Paul, housing, temporary housing of the body. And look, we do this because human nature, we don't want to deal with the the crude reality of what death is. And, the, and, and what I mean by that is the crude reality is most people are terrified of death. That's right. In fact, Hebrews 2 makes a reference that Jesus came to destroy the power of the devil, is 14 through 18, who he holds control of through their fear of death. Yep. Now, we focus on the positive, but what we do is we, even as Christians, we, you know, there's, there's translations here about, uh, you know, we don't die, we sleep. We, uh, you know, this is just a tent. We don't. So we do all that because deep down we're terrified of it. And e even people in the, in the church, you, you see this. And so I've made the point. I think we all agree. So then he says, verse 14, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And we remember that. Remember John 21? Yep. Where he has the, the talk with Peter about, in the end, you're going you're gonna to go where you don't want to go. And by this, he meant his death. You can find exactly where that is, but it's in 21. And historians have said, uh, you know, that Peter was crucified upside down by his own request. And so the bombshell came in verse 15. And he, because he says, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, you say, well, how could there be a bombshell in in First Peter two fifteen? I mean, what there there doesn't seem anything significant there. Doesn't seem to be bombshell worthy. Well, here's the bombshell. I looked up this word departure in the Greek. Well, I was stunned. Guess what? It's only mentioned twice. So I thought, well, where's the other time that it is mentioned? And I will go over and read to you the other place that it is mentioned. And guess who said it? Jesus. Jesus. In Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read it to you. 
Now, this is verse 28 of Luke 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a, onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, oh, well, we know what this is about, right? Yep. This is transfiguration. Yep. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, well, wait a minute now. Moses has been dead how many years at this time? 1,500 years. 1,500 years. And Elijah, he had gone up on a, he didn't even die. Whirlwind. Yeah, last time they saw him, it was rumored, and I only say rumored. It wasn't rumored. It, God recorded. But we would have difficulty believing that a guy just left here. You know, if we saw that, we would say, wait a minute. But he, they're having a, they appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about, uh-oh, his departure which he is about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, isn't it interesting that when you go back to 2 Peter, when Peter says that I will make every effort to see that after my departure, same word that is used in Luke 9 that Jesus didn't technically use, but they is used concerning his death, his impending death. Because this is a word for death. It is a different word for death because I just told you it's only used twice in, in the Bible and we just read the two accounts. Well, what does Peter do in verse 16? He says, we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now look at what reference he then uses about the eyewitness because I'm going to propose to you that when he said in verse 15 that when he says that after my departure, meaning his death, that he already had in mind that he was fixed to write about the transfiguration of Jesus that he witnessed. Because then he says in verse 17, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard his voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Well, if you go back and read the rest of Luke 9, guess what happened? Exactly what he just got through saying. So you say, well, what is the bombshell? Well, when I looked up the word departure, do you know what, in Greek, do you know how to pronounce the word in Greek that is used for departure here? It's a word you've heard of. Exodus. Exit. Exodus. That's the word. Well, that sounds familiar. There's a whole book in the Bible called Exodus. Well, what happened on the Exodus? How would you sum up the Exodus, the story in Exodus? Al, you're our, uh, you're our Old Testament. What exactly happened in Exodus? Well, the people were had come in. Their little small group had grown into several million. They were trapped there by the Egyptians. Yep. God raised up Moses. He goes in, and after a back and forth with Pharaoh, he leads them out. He leads them out. So why would Peter use this word? Well, so when I started looking at the definition of the word Exodus in the Greek, it was always going out and going in. Not just going out, going out and going in. Because when you think about Exodus, what happened? They were in bondage, and God freed them. He let them out. At first he took them in, which is interesting. Which hit me that Peter dropped an aha moment for me here that really brought a lot of other scriptures to light because even though they translated it departure, when you read what the, it was an exodus, when you depart, and I think what helped me understand this, and when I went, oh, 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 if you go to the airport and you want to go somewhere, they have a list of, of two, two things. They have departures and arrivals. And so Peter used this word because he got it from Jesus on what happened when Jesus was talking about his departure at the transfiguration while he's having a conversation with a guy 
who's been dead 1,500 years and a guy who was here, you know, a thousand years before who didn't die. And here's a guy who's fixed to be resurrected from the ground. He's introducing a thought here. Not only is Peter going to depart, he's going to arrive, which takes us back to when he said, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. You know what that is? That's called an arrival. And so the reason I had the aha moment is for years I have been I have been studying Romans chapter 8 and I never could figure it out. I've had multiple arguments with various scholars and and it's a very uh theological argumentative type of group uh that I've been associated with. But I want to read something to you now based on what I just said. And I want to read it using some of the King uh, James Version in their translation. And watch what it says. For the creature was subjected, this is Romans 8.20, to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creature, or creation as the NIV says, itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Now watch this next phrase and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Kind of sounds like a departure and an arrival. Yeah. And so one of the arguments that I, and the reason I had this bombshell moment was, is we as human beings, this is my practical illustration of this, we're so obsessed on the departure. It scares us. The evil one uses it. And... Peter dropped a nugget here that he he was focusing in, focusing on the arrival. And that's what made it so powerful to me. That's why when he says, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. Well, yeah, we know that. But he knew it in an intimate way because he knew he was fixed to die. He uses that word. It was well thought out because he went back to the transfiguration. And he's like, I'm not worried about this. Even though they translated it departure, it's an exodus. It is a liberating by the hand of God. That's what death is. So that's basically my bombshell moment. Let's discuss. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> All right, Zach, what's your response could, to the bombshell? Could you, could you, I could just make one point here? Sure. For we know... Paul told the Corinthians, now we know that if the earthly tent, that's what he says in, when he wrote his second Peter, if the earthly tent that we live in, Peter was saying he was at the end of the line, is destroyed, well, guess what? We have a building, what? From God, well, what do you know? An eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, Peter was saying it in Second Corinthians and 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 Second Peter, the verses we're reading. Meanwhile, we groan. Of course, we do, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Of course, we do, because when we are clothed, the eternal kingdom, the one you're talking about, mm -hmm. we will not be found naked. While we're in this tent, Jace, we groan. We are burdened. Peter covered that. Because we, Paul is writing this, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed. It scares us. Death. Exactly. With our heavenly dwelling. Well, what do you know so that what is mortal, which we have, have now, may be swallowed up for life. It's God who's made us for this very purpose. Remember the creature. And yeah. has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident. And I say we would rather, we'd prefer to be away from the body at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. That motivates you. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's why be careful how you live. Peter's telling you that each one may receive what is due to him, things done while in the body, 
whether good or bad. What a text that goes Which along. Which is my point, Phil. I think, I think what I had missed, you know, it, it, it makes other passages about this, it, it immediately made them mean more. Because we're so obsessed with, you know, where we're going to go. Or, you know, people talk about what it, and, and Peter, and when you look at it from the Exodus meaning, it, it's a liberation and it's an immediate arrival. Yeah. I mean, I, that, it made more sense when I thought about when Jesus By said. By the way, while you're there, you never brought up one time that it was the creation, meaning the structure, the planets. Well, that, that's why I did that. Now, a lot of people don't know the argument I had. They didn't teach you that because, in preaching look, school. The argument I had with a brother we all love, and arguments are how you learn. But he said, well, Jace, Romans 8 can't mean Christians because it would be an apposition of itself because it says the creation waits. Well, you wouldn't wait for yourself. And I, I never had an answer for that. I was like, I know, but I just, it doesn't fit with the material universe. But then when I read this, it made sense. You are correct. It, it's your departure and your arrival. So when it's brought into the glorious freedom of the kingdom of God, if you look at it, his point wasn't talking about the material universe being renovated or something. And if it is, fine. I know his point was the bondage of decay to the freedom of eternity. Yep. That so he goes on to say that in, in Romans eight. Yeah, I would argue that would include the the physical universe. I mean, you think about well, the, I don't mind universe. that if you want to believe that. But my point is, there's a truth. In the end, this is all about belonging to Christ, being with Christ, being in the presence of God. And I'll use my lovely wife as an example. It doesn't matter where we live as long as we're together. It doesn't matter where we're going to spend eternity as long as I'm with God. The more important point, and I believe Paul's point in Romans, was not talking about what we're, where we're going to live with the material universe. Now, I realize you're fixed to give an argument for that being renovated. And look, I just said I'm fine with that. But I'm saying if we want to live in a van down by the river, I will do so happily with the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, and my lovely wife, and y'all too, of course. And our, our, you, you see my point? And I think that's his point in Romans 8. That's why it's not in apposition to itself, because it is a version of yourself that you get to experience as in a departing the earthly and arriving in the eternal. You know, I, yeah, I was just going to make the point that um, when when you talk about departure and 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 the the creation uh, itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God, um, the whole creation groans and, and all of that. It's it's not that the creation is liberated from being creation. It's not that the creation and we're not liberated from being in a body. Being in a body is not a bad thing. It's part of the human experience, right? It's part of our design is that we are spirit and body. And so I think when we when Peter talks about departure or when Paul talks about the coming resurrection, I think the danger is that we don't understand we, we tend to think, oh, I'm getting I heard one preacher say he was gonna he was I can't wait to get out of this meat suit. And I thought, man, that's a bad way to look at it because the body is good, and God made the body good. And we, as being a human, is to be a, a a tangible creature in a body. And so, the resurrection that's coming, and I think it extends to the whole universe, is um, is that that all of the physical reality will be liberated from entropy. You know, the second law of thermodynamics that things decay over time. And and I, I think there's a, a new physical reality coming, but it is physical. And if and the if you if we're not careful we can end up with some form of gnosticism that we see everything physical is bad and everything spiritual is good which isn't really a biblical understanding of of us and our position in reality it's not a biblical understanding of creation itself the physical is corrupt because of sin uh and the fall of man uh, but it is was was created good and in the end you read first corinthians 15 that whole 
I mean, it, it, the body will be sewn into a new kind of body. So I think the liberation that we're waiting for is a liberation that everything about this world that's corrupted the physical world, that's going to be done away with. And we're going to be able to experience a physical reality that is how God originally intended it to be, free from sin, corruption, decay, entropy. Um, there, you know, there, It's going to be a new set of physical laws that we can't even really comprehend. I wanted to... Uh... A comment on it because I I, th- I do think that uh, let's take our last break. Apart from the Romans context, just in this Second Peter context, I think that Jace's epiphany helps me to understand the context of this a lot better. Jace nailed it. He did. Well, yeah, and I did. I, I almost didn't get into the Romans eight just because I didn't want it to distract. Right. No, because that's why I want to, I want to speak to the context here because this that really helps me, Jace. One is I didn't I did not know that that word the only other place was in Luke. What really helps me because I didn't quite understand why Peter went to the transfiguration. Now I get it. Exactly. I, I didn't I didn't understand yeah. why he used that because look, this is a wow, guy. That's what led me to figure this out. Right. I was so like, why is he going to the transfiguration? Because he witnessed the resurrection. So I was thinking in my mind, why would he go to the transfiguration? When he witnessed the resurrection, which to me, I was in my mind, I was thinking that was that was to me as powerful, if not more so, than the transfiguration. But think about this: if he's making a case to the scattered, remember who he first wrote to, because this is his second letter to the scattered. This is the the Jewish diaspora, as we talked about yeah. before. So he's making a case here, and he's about to address these false teachers. So he's making the case through the prophecy that's always been there that Jesus is the Messiah and who he said he was. That this was the promised, and the prophecy had always been about who he was. That idea about Moses and Elijah being the ones who had pointed to him as who he said he was all along was powerful. And I think now that's why he went there, Jace. He went there to show that's no who doubt. he was. That was what I was fixed to say to Zach's kind of counter argument was I think we're. In our in our fears, which are valid, I'm not disagreeing with Zach about you know narcissism and these typical arguments we've used for years. I, I think this revelation of understanding this word Exodus and looking at it in that light made me realize that I've underestimated what happened in that transfiguration. Exactly. I didn't now, realize look, the power. You can to say be. whatever you want to, but Moses died. They couldn't find his body, which I do think. I don't, I'm not, you know, that that's in the Bible. There was an argument. They even was like, where's that body? The dude is standing on the mountain in a, I don't even know what, transfigured form, having a conversation. You are correct. So what I'm saying is, and I think it will take a while, because the reason I couldn't sleep is, I, you know, when I had this, well, it took me three hours to get past it. And then I, you know, took an hour nap. But... Because I was thinking that. I was like, I, we're, we're focused too much on the death and not the arrival. Yeah. You know, when he made that simple statement to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, think about it. I didn't really know why he said that. Because I thought, well, I mean, we got to have the resurrection first. What are, what are you talking about? Is, is it some kind of... But after I looked at the transfiguration and I realized that that this word, even though it's translated departure, if you'll just look at it like he's focusing on the arrival. Yeah. We have the English word departure, but the word is exodus. That's why I said, what happened in the exodus? When you depart somewhere, that means you're going to arrive somewhere else. That's what departure means. You can't have a departure without an arrival, Mm. especially when you're in an eternal context. That's why... My argument was a little deeper than it seemed on the surface. You can't have a departure without having an arrival. Well, if you're dealing with an eternal being, that's happening on a scale that we're we're having trouble relating with. But the transfiguration is there in the inspired word of God. So that's why you can say, yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. Listen, look, here's Peter. Here's what Peter said in 2 Peter. Because I know that I will soon put aside everybody, let's see, as long as I live in the tent 
I think it's right to refresh your memory. As long as I live in the tent of this body, I turn back to 2 Corinthians, we know that if the earthly tent we live in, well, he's talking about the same thing. Exactly. I mean, look, we get a new body. 1 Corinthians 15 is clear on that. You're the and first it's some man form. I've had. You're the first man I've had that agreed with me on that and is eager enough to say something about it. You're the first one well, good. that I've heard. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I've been but, silent for a long time when I got to that text, but, but I, I keep going back waiting. to that second Corinthians I think, 5. I think in our effort to jump to the final resurrection and get this new body, we're devaluing and we're underestimating the comfort there is of being in the presence of God in a relationship form in between that time, because God doesn't work in between time. He is time. Yeah. He's the line. He's eternal. So we're just trying to make sense of it. And I think our theology suffers because of that. Peter was excited, uh, you know, about this. And, and look, that's wh that's why when he got to chapter three, if you don't understand what happened in chapter one from his perspective, well, it is scary. We're talking oh. about the earth burning up and all that. He's already said. I'll grin, and I won't be uh, call any names. But you know, there's some people that's got like a a giant hotel up there. That, that were, oh, good grief! Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. So I think Evans a giant hotel, and everybody got a number on there and a little room where they live. It's an exodus that happens that that you embrace, and he was completely comfortable, and he based that a lot of that on what happened at the Transfiguration. He tried to carry that over to his listeners, and I'm telling you, we just because of translations and we didn't really figure out the word he was using, we just kind of missed it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad Jace was here today to clarify what he just clarified. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is it was so encouraging about what he was trying, and he was saying, we were eyewit you don't realize what I witnessed, because we're, we're, we're not given enough credit that he witnessed a guy that was fixing to be raised, a guy that was dead, that's obviously not, and a guy that was rumored to, f to fly to heaven, and he, he saw a conversation with him. Hey, Elijah and Moses, that's us in the future. Exactly. We'll be standing on the mountain talking it over with Jesus. So when you focus on the arrival, you're doing the very opposite of what the evil one is trying to get you to do based on Hebrews 2, 14 and 8 through 18, which is focusing on the departure. Yep. Because he's he can control you by that fear. Well, I mean, it, it terrifies us. It, you know, we're, and so Peter flipped that on its head right here. He's like, boy. Amen to that, Jason. Yeah, no, great, it was very project. exciting. I, I, I was, I mean, I got giddy about it. I thought, oh man, yeah, this is, he, 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 he got it. it. It's an, it's a liberation from being bound to decay. In the glow of the new freezer light, Jace has the epiphany. <laughs> Put your faith in Jesus and not a freezer that costs you know, thousands of dollars because it's perishable. But Jesus is not. All it took was the glow of a new freezer like for Jace to study by to come to this epiphany. All right, we got overtime. We'll flesh this out a little bit more. And see if Zach's got any rebuttals on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.